just invite the presence of the Lord. I really do believe, I uh, just think Erica is spot on. Uh, but just the refreshing of the Lord. God, we just say we welcome. We welcome you. Just put your hands out in front of you. Just invite him. When you put out your hands, it's like, I'm ready to receive a gift. Oh, Lord, we just received the gift of your presence this morning. The presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord is worth You're worth waiting for. You're worth changing our plans. You're worth changing the agenda. You're worth God, we come together around you and receive the, the refreshing of the Lord. Let the love of God be poured out on our hearts this morning. Pour out Romans 55, 5, 5. Romans 5, 5. Double grace, double favor. In Jesus' name, double grace, double favor. In Jesus' name, I thank you for the favor of your presence, God, in this place. If you pray in the Holy Spirit, just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit right now. If you don't, God can, God can open it up to you right now. You can have it, and it be something weird. It's just part of, part of spirit and life in Jesus. Just pray. That's a personal, personal prayer to Him. It's a perfect prayer, the Bible says. It's worship, actually. It's worship. It's a perfect worship. Just give Him Give him praise. Mom, leva si plema Come on, I want to hear your voices. 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 Mom, leva si plema de la basa. Oh, la 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 We need no more quiet churches now, Pastor. No more. We will not be one of them. We will not be one of them. We will not be one of them. I refuse. We reject it. We reject it. Mom, leva si plema la 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 Come on, I want to hear your voices. Lift up your voice to him. It's worship. We worship you, Jesus. We praise you for your goodness, for everything you've done, God. What you've done again and again and again and again. You show yourself strong again and again and again. You show yourself faithful again and again and again. Your word says God is faithful. He will bring to completion the work that he started. You are faithful. I just see the oil of the Lord coming and greasing the wheels. See, I don't pray the Holy Spirit out. I just say it's, you're just rusty. You're just rusty. The Lord wants to grease you up. He wants to oil you up. Let it flow. No more rustiness in here in Jesus' name. We bless you, Father. We bless you, Father. We bless you, Father. I love you, dear Lord Jesus. We honor your presence today, God. <clears throat> yeah, I've just been feeling in my spirit our, our 21 days of prayer is going to be rocking. That's going to be awesome. Man, I'm just so excited. This uh, We started doing these last year uh, where we would take once a quarter and do a 21 day and just seek the Lord together. And we would read the Bible together and pray and we'd all be fasting different things. You know, I want to encourage you that you don't have to be like uh, you know, a 21 day water fast necessarily. I mean, if you can do that, praise God, I'll power to you. But pick out something, pick a meal. So, you know what? I'm going to push back lunch today. Or I'm going to push back breakfast. You know, one of the ones that I, I'm going to do, I'm planning on doing is a, is a 6 to 6, which is at 6 a.m., 6 p.m. So, I'm going to be fasting breakfast and lunch. 
You know, it's a very doable fast. So especially if you've not done that, you haven't worked that muscle a lot, that's a great way to do it. And so uh, that's, that's a good way to do it. Or if you want to do fruits and vegetables, or some people just need to quit sugar, right? Yeah. Not a bad idea just to not have sugar for a while. And so it's, it's a really good, healthy thing for you. So don't make it religious, make it really simple. Okay. <clears throat> Father, we love you. We give you thanks for your word today. I pray that it would go into good hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we've been talking about core values because core values are what keep us centered. Core values are what generate culture. Core values are what keep us pointing to north, right? If we just, if, if we just impose commandments on people, it's going to always feel like we're constrained by the word of God. But how many you know God doesn't want us to be constrained by his word? He wants us to be delighted by his word. He wants us to delight in his commandments, to delight in what he says, to delight in what he's called us to do. And so we're going to take a, take a season next few weeks where we're talking about delighting in God's word. You know, as, as, as missionaries and, and ministers, and you know, we've had a lot of different groups that have come in here. I'll tell you what will cause you to thrive in El Paso is how you feed on the word of God. Be that residents, others that, that live here, it's how you feed on God's word privately, your time with God in that Bible. I'm telling you, that is what will keep you going. That is what will fuel you. It is your bread. It is your meat. It is your thrust. It's where you will draw from in a time of need. It is the word of God. And I know it sounds very basic, but it could be more relevant in this hour where we have so many, you know, access to voices through our media, through YouTube, through, um, through podcasts, where you have all these voices saying so many things. You have to have something as a value to keep you true. Yeah. Right? Because when you hear so many voices, after you've heard so many voices, it kind of makes you a little crazy, right? Because in your mind, you're hearing, well, this guy says go this way. Oh, this guy says, store up for Armageddon. This person says, I'm not going to store up for anything. Jesus is my provider. And you're like, we just have two different worlds of thought happening all the time, right? So it's the word of God that will keep us at a true north. First Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. I would say this would be our theme. Um, Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies... Long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted of the kindness of the Lord. You know what that's saying? Is our key to growth is found in this book. Our key to growth is right here. I'm saying if you don't have a plan to read your Bible, you're not going to do it. If you don't have a plan to get done in the next two, three years, or one year, or six months, uh, Mike Murdoch reads to this once a month. That's like, and he's like known for wisdom, right? Like that's power reading. Like you're just, that's all day. That's all he does. I must, must be. I don't know how he, how he can do it. You know, I, I set a goal for me to get through it in a year. That's what I do. That's about, that's about what, I, what I can do. Uh, Benny Hinn does it twice a year. The greats among us, the leaders that we honor and respect, our word people. They live in this Bible because it's what stands the test of time. Because we'll go through different trials, we'll go through different seasons, we'll go through different political climates, we'll go through different uh, social climates, but this is stable. You can count on it. It is your constant. 
John chapter 5, verse 39 says, You search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. So, what I want to point to right here is, Jesus was talking to Pharisees. He was talking to religious leaders of the day. And he was saying, you think the Bible is life. But he says, this word speaks about me. Meaning, the word is supposed to bring us into an encounter with Jesus. The most prophetic people among us should be the most word people among us. Because if we're in the word, it will take you to the person. If you will live on that, that scripture, I was reading this last night of, of growing in respect to salvation, just for myself, longing for the pure milk of the word. And as I was meditating on that verse, it was pulling me into the presence of God. And I was reading uh, the, the verse, I guess, 1 Peter 2, 9, where it talks about how we're a royal priesthood, a chosen race. And I was just thinking to myself, man, I'm a chosen race. I'm a chosen people. God chose me. No, it is. That's getting life from the word. When you go over a scripture and you even just repeat it again and again, praying it back to God, that's how you get life back. When you're reading the Bible and a verse pops out to you, you need to pay attention. That's really where you've you got to sit and camp there. I have a plan to get through my Bible in a year, but when that pop happens, the plan kind of goes out the window. And then I'm like, oh man. And so I'll show him. Uh, Bobby, I'm like 37 days behind right now. Like, I'm still like, like oh man, I gotta catch up. Because I'll get to a verse and something will pop. Yeah. And I'll just sit on, I'm a chosen race. I'm a chosen race. I'm a holy nation. And I will stay there because I'm getting life from the word. That's what's supposed to happen. I'm a holy, I'm a holy people. You called me out of darkness into your marvelous light. It's different from just reading the Bible, right? Because now it, it's feeding you. Every one of us has to learn how to get life from the word. That's what this is about. God's word brings transformation. And so we delight in it. The goal of scripture is to bring us into, into a relationship with the author. And transforms us into his likeness. I heard Bill Johnson say recently that the Bible is the only book that the author shows up when you read it. <laughs> right? When you read the book, his presence comes. You read out, it's, it's, it is a living word. It's not just the Bible. Like, it's living. It's alive. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 through 17. And that from your childhood, you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom. So, this is Timothy, and he's saying the sacred writings. He's speaking about the Old Covenant. He says, you knew about those sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom. That leads to salvation. What did the law do? It's, it is a, a witness. It testifies. It's a tutor for, for grace and, and, uh, and, uh, and salvation. Wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16. All scripture. Everyone say all scripture. All scripture. Is inspired by God and profitable for teaching. Meaning if you invest your time there, it's worth it. It's profitable. means it's not a waste of time. And I think a lot of times when you get like into Leviticus... You know, and you're like reading who begat who, who begat who, and you're Matthew 1, it's like this person begat them, and you know, it's, it's all profitable. Man, I felt the presence of the Lord reading those descendants of the descendants of the descendants. It's all profitable. It's all alive. For teaching, for reproof, for correction. You want to be corrected by the word. Like where you're reading and the word like swats you in the butt. Like, ooh. That was not, I, my thinking and the Bible's thinking weren't on the same page. And so it, it corrected me. 
for training in righteousness, so that the man may be adequate, equipped for every good work. The reason why most people don't do good works is because they're not equipped for it. And you're not equipped for it because you don't read it. And so, but if you'll invest time reading, if you'll invest time getting the word, you'll be equipped for good works. And there'll be good things that come out of you. Matthew chapter 4. Um, this is the story of Jesus uh, after he was baptized uh, by John, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. Voice of the Father speaks out and says, this is my son, and whom I'm well pleased. Um, the Bible says that immediately after this encounter, that Jesus was driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Okay? And he was going to be tempted by the devil. Matthew 4, 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse 2. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. I don't know about you guys, but I'm hungry on day one. Jesus did for 40 days, and then he got hungry. Verse 3, And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Now, what did God just say to him? Remember, he come up out of the water, and God says, This is my Son. He goes out, and he's being tempted by the enemy. And the devil said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Verse 4, but he answered. Everyone say, answer. Answer. God has not called us to ignore the devil. He's called us to answer the devil. You know, the Bible says to resist the devil and he will flee. That means there is a response, an active no, or an active engagement to oppose the enemy. Jesus did not ignore the voice of the enemy. He answered it. I think a lot of times the reason why we can live in depression or anxiety or worry is because we live under that ongoing voice of the devil. And we keep trying to ignore it. But God's not called us to ignore it. He's called us to answer it. It says, and he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So bread, you know, our substance for life. It says man won't live by that. You know, when we're talking about doing a 21-day fast, it's because we don't live by bread alone. Bread won't do it. Bread by itself won't give us life. It says every word that proceeds, it's the proceeding, it's the rhema, the spoken, ongoing, living word of God. It's that time in the quiet place when God says, holy nation, chosen people, a chosen race, a chosen race. That is the rhema. The God breathed, the pneuma on his word that comes alive to us. And the Bible says that's how you live. God's called you to live that way. This is how God transforms. We, when we live in that, John 15 calls it abiding in his word. Jesus says, if my words abide in you. This is how the word abides in us. It's when he breathes on it. Okay? Uh, verse 5, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bury you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You know what's interesting? It's Satan's quote in Psalm 91, which we're strong advocates of Psalm 91 around here, right? Um, but the enemy is quoting the Bible. And I think a lot of times we get really conflicted with religion. We get really conflicted with just words. And that's why it's so important we are living under the living word of God. Because when you hear the Bible without the spirit of God, you're going to, if you just hear like a theologian rambling off religion, it can bring death. 
Bible says the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. How many people go off to seminary and come back dead? Because the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So the Word by itself, like it is, it requires the Spirit of God to come on this. This is why as, as believers, it says in that first Peter passage, it says, for those of you that have tasted of the kindness of the Lord, for those who are born again, this Word is going to bring you life. And so Satan quotes Psalm 91, again challenging Jesus' sonship, sonship. And Jesus says in verse 7, Jesus said to them, On the other hand, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Do you hear that strength inside of Jesus to stand in the midst of temptation? Do you hear the, the strength inside of Jesus to oppose the enemy when he's coming at him? That's what, that's what the word will do to you. It is why we have to live in this, because we need that strength. By the Holy Spirit, you know, he's given us this, like, BS meter, where you hear stuff that sounds like BS, right? And you got this BS meter that says, uh, no. And you can oppose it. So I don't receive that. I don't take that as the truth. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, leads you and guides you on truth. So when you hear something from the outside, you say, I, I don't think so. And it doesn't move you. So that was what was happening here. Satan was quoting the word, trying to throw him off and say, hey, you're not a son. Hey, you're not a son. Throw yourself down. Turn this stone to bread. Prove yourself. Trying to tempt him. And just like, ah, no. God's called you to be a person of the word. Verse 8, and the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and began to minister to him. There's a strength in hearing the word to oppose the enemy. You know what's interesting? Is that after he opposed the enemy with the word, he was brought into an angelic I don't know where this, this school thought of being like prophetic and the word, where that, how it divided somehow. But the most, the word, most word-based people I know are extremely prophetic, and the most prophetic people I know are extremely word-based. Like it is the word that will take you into the things of the spirit. The word will carry you there because Jesus actively used the word. The Bible says he had an angelic encounter. Oh, he's a word guy. He's not a spirit guy. No, he was in the word, and it brought him into the spirit. It brought him into something fresh. That's the way it should work for us. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, all of this. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, so Old Testament, right? The law. A veil lies over their heart. Speaking of the sinner, before someone's born again, a veil is over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, that veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, speaking of us believers, with unveiled face, because we're born again, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as, just as from the Lord the Spirit. So the Bible functions like a Holy Spirit mirror. Okay, how many of you looked in the mirror before you left the house this morning? Right? Can you imagine if you tried to fix your hair or get all fixed up, get your church clothes on without the mirror? How would that gone? 
Jimmy's like, I did it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? And so, is it possible that you would maybe do something that you didn't mean to do? Or, I don't know if the guys, if you ever like shaved just one side of your face before, <laughs> like it was still going over here? Or, or, or yeah, I have this like stubble that grows here. It's too wimpy, it doesn't grow up right here, so I don't always grow it off. But the, uh, uh, you know, so if I don't look in the mirror, then, you know, that'll leave that kind of little stubble there. Like, oh, crap, now. And then later on in the day, you'll be walking by a car, and you see your reflection, you're like, oh my gosh, is this what people are seeing all day, right? So it's a mirror by which you see your natural self. How do you know you can't see your own spirit, man? You can't see your spirit man. You know it's there. You are a spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. The one who is joined to the Lord is now one spirit with him, right? We have a spirit. Uh, you know, we're a temple Holy spirit. So how do we see what it looks like? The Bible says this is the mirror. If you want to know what you look like in the spirit, you have to look in the mirror and see what you look like. you got to go to the word to let it tell you who you are. When you think, oh man, I, I'm such a loser, and the Bible says, I'm, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Oh man, I feel ashamed, I feel condemned, there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Oh man, I feel stuck, and feel, feel behind, and I'm always going to be this way, and I'm now a new creation. Like, if I look in the mirror, it will tell me who I am. It is identity 101. It is growth 101. When you learn, when we, we learn to practice looking in the mirror. Would we go a day without looking in the mirror, our natural mirror? Most likely not. But we go days sometimes so we don't look into our spiritual mirror. And the Bible says in First in Corinthians 3, it says that you can forget what you look like. I'm sorry, that's in James. You can forget what you look like. Let me read that verse. It's James chapter 1, verse 23, 22. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers only. I mean, not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten the kind of person that he was. So the way we solidify what we see in the mirror is actually go do it. And I think with the Bible, there's a lot of challenge, like you want God to prove Prove himself to you before you do it. And that's not the way it works. God always calls us to step out of the boat and trust him. And when we step out of the boat and trust him, that's when we get the revelation. When you start walking on water, you think, oh my gosh, this is Jesus. I'm walking towards Jesus. It's when you obey the word, when you are a doer of the word, that you begin to see who you are. Revelation will always come on the other side of obedience. It does not come before the obedience. It comes after the obedience. If you'll step out and obey what God spoke you to do, it'll, it'll hit right after that. When you feed the poor, you can say, I don't have a passion for the poor. I don't want to love the poor. I don't care about the poor. But when you go feed the poor, all of a sudden, a love for the poor comes. When you say, I don't believe in laying hands on the sick, just shut up, put your hands on the sick, and pray. And when you see them get healed, you'll start to believe that it works. You know, when you begin to step out and say, I don't believe in using the name of Jesus, I don't use the name of Jesus for stuff. You know, just use his name and see what happens. Begin to explore and step out in obedience, and you will, you will grow in amazing revelation. You'll grow in revelation. Uh, let me finish with that verse. Uh, verse 24, 
For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become forgetful here, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Listen to uh, the end time church, how it's described in Ephesians chapter 5. It says, husbands, love your wife, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word. The end time bride of Christ is a clean bride. It's a pure bride. And you know how that bride gets clean and pure and holy? The Bible says we are cleansed by the washing of the water of the word. It is your prophetic destiny to become a word person. Now, I'm not a word person. You're going to, you're, you will be a word person. It, you, you are going in that direction. That is, there's a pull, a bent, if you will, towards the word. And you ever, you know, as we go out on the golf and we run into people who have, um, you know, they, they had a bad upbringing, bad upbringing where they were abused by someone, and um, they have a leniency because of that abuse to lean towards sin or lean towards Addiction because it wasn't just them; it was their parents, their upbringing, their grand, their great grandparents. Like there was a whole line of people bending that way. He was a robber. His granddad was a robber. His great granddad was a robber, and they're all proud of being robbers. And so when he grew up, it's like, hey, I'm gonna be a robber, right? So there's a bent towards it. In the same way, for the believer, there is a bent to becoming a word person. It is in your heritage. It is in your DNA. It is in who God made you to be, to be a word person. It may seem like this is a thick book. It may seem like it's hard to comprehend or that it's a lot to try to cover in a year. I'm telling you, if you'll just start with a chapter or two a day, get in the Gospels. You know, our old pastor used to, used to say, uh, read the red and believe for the power. You know, that's the way we did it. Like, live in the red if you have to. Live in the Psalms if you have to. Read a proverb a day. 30, 31 proverbs, right? There are ways to do that. And so inside of every believer is an innate bent towards becoming a word person. Psalm 119, verse 11. This is David. He says, your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is David who sinned greatly against the Lord. Who like set up a whole scheme of plan and murder and adultery. And in the end he says... I figured out how to keep myself from sin. So I'm going to live in your word. I'm going to become a word person. It's your word I've kept in my heart that I might not sin against you. As God encounters us in the word, faith is released into our lives. Studying God's truth empowers us to believe in who he is, who we are, and how he wants us to live. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So we want to contend for the rhema, word of the Lord. First Thessalonians 2.13, for this reason we also, we, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. So the word, Sammy, is supposed to perform on the inside of us. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Like it's not you. 
It begins to work. Being good soil, bearing fruit. I, we have unexpected blessings at our house. When our kids demonstrate fruits of the Holy Spirit, we call it out. Because it, oh, that was kindness. You know why we acknowledge it? It's because we know that it didn't come from them. That was selflessness. We knew that it came from the Holy Spirit inside of them. And when they when they're like selfless, all of a sudden, say, hey, that was generous of you. So I think you deserve an unexpected blessing. And so in an unexpected moment, we'll bless them in a funky way. Find something cool, we'll do something for them that they weren't expecting. Because we're celebrating fruits of the Holy Spirit. His word is supposed to perform in us. John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. It's a way of getting clean. Um, Bible says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. You know how to get that mind, get, get your, your mind clean? It's just, let's open your Bible. Just begin to read it. And I only encourage you to do this. Read it out loud. There's something about the spoken word. Reading the word out loud. Even now, I'm blessed just reading these verses right now because I'm reading the word out loud. Like, I'm edified in the speaking. I believe you're edified in the hearing. Like, something about the spoken word, it'll clean you up. It'll get your mind right. It'll get your, your mind clean. I was, one time, I was, in, uh, I was in Kosovo. I was 18 years old. I went on a mission trip with Angie. And uh, while I was there, um, we, were, we were scrambling. We were getting to this country as a Muslim country. We've got these prayers being sung over the city. And uh, it's quite freaky, you know, when you're actually there. Because it's, it's not a Christian country. And you don't, you don't know your Christian covering that we have here until you leave it. Right? Because you're in trouble. When you leave to a different country and you feel that this is not founded on godly principles. Like, there is a, really is a spiritual umbrella over our nation. Even different states. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every time we go to California. Um, yeah, yeah. Even going across the board right here. Mm -hmm. You can feel like, oh, what that? <laughs> you come back in, like, oh, where have And you don't, don't really know how to say it or put words, but you know it's there. While I was there, we had traveled to, uh, to Kosovo, and um, our team had arrived early, and we were scrambling. No, no, I think we arrived late. We were all scrambling, and they just dropped us off. We were throwing our stuff down. And we're like in a hurry to get to our, our end destination. We're supposed to get somewhere. And I went inside and I thought, told everyone, hey, I'm gonna use the restroom real quick. And I went and jumped in the restroom. While I was in the restroom, the van that was gonna carry us off to our next destination pulls up and the entire team body jumps in. And I'm here in the restroom, you know what I'm saying? I open the door and the entire team's gone. And you know what I'm thinking? I missed the rapture and I'm in the Middle East. This is really bad. This is not gonna be good. So why did I miss like I, and I grew up with the phobia because in our in our AD church growing up, we uh, we talked about we would have speakers come in and teach about end times and the march of the beast and about hands and fingers being chopped off and like surviving Armageddon and what happens if you miss it and what do you do? And like so I grew up with this like fear. Like, I, would, I don't know if you guys did this, but I would go and I would check the, mark, the mirror all the time, make sure I didn't have like six, 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 six,
sure I didn't, make sure I repented before Jesus came back. Well, when I was over there, I come out and the whole team's gone. And I already had this like fear in me from like as a kid. You, you think you're over it. And so, so it's like crap. I'm just crap. Take it. Where's my John, John Hagee books? Help me. Come help me out here, you know, like someone, someone the Left Behind series. Where's Kirk Cameron running, you know? Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, so I come out, everybody's gone. And um, I remember being freaked out. 18 and love the country by yourself. We didn't have, our smartphones weren't like where they are now, which is the, the flip up T Mobile phone. But I, wouldn't, I didn't have a cell phone, I don't think. I didn't have my own phone at that time. So on the other side, we're all, no communications, my team's gone. I look, and I, I go to the, our rooms and see all their bags are there. They dropped off their stuff like I did. I thought, where are they? I looked everywhere. I looked around the place, the property. I started wondering, though, where did everyone go? Like, how am I in post What did I do to sign up to be stuck? And I started running down, <laughs> running down the street to what they have is internet cafes over there. So internet cafes, it's, it's like a coffee shop with stationary PC computers. And you can get, get on the computer and you can either chat to get someone or if you need to buy minutes, you can use a cell phone. So I get to the internet cafe a couple blocks down and the first thing I start doing, I start calling home. Somehow I figured out how to call, do the country codes and stuff. I call home, call my mom. No answer. I call my dad. No answer. I call all my brothers. No answer. Calling my aunts. No answer. Well, they're all saved. You know, they're born again. So I'm thinking, they're all gone. <laughs> I missed it. They're gone. <laughs> and then I got to my youngest brother, who I knew he was saved, Joel. And I ring Joel, and Joel answers the phone. It's like, hello? It's Joel. It's like, yeah, what's up? You know, what are you doing? I'm in Kosovo. What are you doing? You know? And I, I, I was at peace in my heart at that moment. Because I knew, oh, he'd have made it. He'd have made it. <laughs> I knew he was born again, you know. But have you ever had worry or anxiety completely take over your actions? Not just your thoughts, but it's one thing when it's a storm in your mind, but it's another level when you're running down the street to the internet cafe in Kosovo. When your fear is like so charged that you're running somewhere. Where your worry is so charged that you're making major decisions unwisely. Have you ever been like that? The Bible says that we sanctify them in the truth, in His Word, this truth. This is how you get stable. It's with the Word. That's why we have to become a word people, because it will bring us back to true north. You know, I, I talk about true north a lot because I, I use that as a salvation call to the homeless because they're lost. They've, um, they've done something goofy or something bad's happened or a bad scenario happened, plus another bad scenario happened, and they spun, spiraled down, and they're lost. And they're hopeless. And so I tell them, if you want to get out of this, you need a compass to lead you out of here. I can lead you to Jesus. I can pray for you and get healed, get delivered, get healed, stuff off of you. 
But if you're going to make it out of this, you're going to need your own compass. I can't be your compass. Like, you need your own compass on the inside of you. And that's through the Spirit of God. Spirit and the Word. And so that, that Spirit and Word connection is what carries someone out of, of a dark place and gets them out. But it doesn't change just for the poor. Like, it's for all of us. We can get lost and still have stuff. We can get lost and still have all our things. We can get lost and, and still have our home and our cars and whatever and still be as lost as the person on the street. No difference whatsoever. And it's, I'm telling you, the way to get right is becoming a word person and living that thing. I'm telling you, speaking it out, and it will lead you, and it will guide you. You'll get checks like, oh, I'm supposed to do this. Oh, no, I'm not supposed to do that. And you'll, get, you'll feel it. You'll, you'll know in your spirit because your spirit's alive. Because you're constantly charging that. You're talking with God through the Spirit. And when you're about to make this major move, you know, um, that little reserve, you should pay attention to it. That's the Lord. That's the Spirit of God in you. That says, it might be okay, but it won't be God's best. Or it might not be okay at all. Right? But for you guys as are missionaries, there are places that you go and God will show you. Uh, no. In other places, you'll, you'll have the peace of the Lord, and you can go in dark places and come out right, too. Right? There's a grace of the Lord for that. You know? But likewise, it's for all of us. We, we have to follow that. Let me go just a little bit further, and we'll, we'll close. Um, Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. This is how it happens. It's through the Word. Let the peace of God rule. When something challenges your peace, you got to stop it right there. If you ever get lost, go back to where your peace was. Go back to the last thing he said to do, and did you do it? You know, with this noble property, when we were praying about it, we, I had three different words on it. I got three different times I got a word on it. One was a, uh, when we were listening to Heidi preach in my house uh, on, on video. Um, when we were praying, the Lord spoke to me then. When we were walking down the street, I saw it, and it, it popped to me then. When I was being killed, went to Robbie's conference, it spoke to me then. I said, Lord, I believe this is you. Like, I felt, I've got a, I've got a clear word. Like, I, I can step out in faith. So I wanted to land in Kayla's heart. And I want to do it together. Because she was completely opposed. And the Lord hit it without me telling her. And she said, and she brought it to me when we were talking. And she said, this is what the Lord told me. That's it. Green lights. Where's the provision come from? Hold on. Doesn't matter. We're at peace all the time. Like it, it just didn't matter. Doesn't matter where it's coming from. Like it, it's God's going to take care of it. I'm not concerned about it. It's going to be good. God's going to bless it. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Once he speaks, you can have peace. The reason why most people don't have peace is because there's something they're unsettled about. I know that sounds real obvious, but that unsettled feeling... It's for the word of God is not in charge. He's not ruling in that area. That anxiety, God is not, you have not heard the word of the Lord yet on that issue. You know, I lost a brother at, he was 36 years old. I lost him to, to a heart attack. And you know, I was so upset that, you know, my dad was praying for him, trying to raise him, trying to get him healed. I was so upset that he didn't get healed. But never for one moment did I think God was not a good God. The reason being is because the issue was settled. Most people, if they lose something that seems unjust like that, 36-year-old, 
30-year-old wife, two-year-old daughter, dies an early death. They say, God is not a good God because of what happened. And you know what? That never, not once did it ever in my heart. Because that issue was settled. The Bible says, let the peace of God reign in your heart. That means get the issue settled. It's always, I always find it interesting uh, as we uh, do topics throughout the year, we're going to be talking about, you know, uh, about money. Half the people are like, oh, this is great. I'm like, you know, hey, Freddie, come on in. Hey, Freddie. You could be talking about money, and half the room is, oh, man, I love to talk about money. I love to talk about stewardship and believe for God to multiply my resources and see the hand of God. And the other half of the room is like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe to talk about money. Isn't that funny? Like, it's settled issues. Like, is the issue settled in your heart? Let the peace of God reign inside of you. Um, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Verse 16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him, to God the Father. Let the word of Christ richly dwell. John 8, 31, 32. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. So that through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Isn't it powerful just to like hear what the word says about the word? Mm -hmm. this is, the God is saying like, hello, it's right here. I mean, have you ever seen the, those videos of people in China you know, before the digital Bibles went out? Where one Bible would come and people would grab it like this and in tears. Tearing it up, passing around books, passing it around. You know, I'll tell you, one of the most powerful things you can do is commit yourself to memorizing scripture. Take one of the epistles, just begin to memorize. Now, Jonathan, as part of his school, is he has to memorize uh, a good bit of school, like Psalm 27 and Psalm 91. And, uh, Huh? Yeah, the part of the school, you have to be able to recite of like five to seven minutes of just the word. Saying the word. I mean, if your Bible was taken away from you, how much would be there? Can you draw from it? The days of memory verses aren't over. Like, put a memory verse out there. It's not it's not Sunday school, it's our life. Tell you what, when you it's it's when you're doing your assignment that God's called you to. That's when you when you need it. When you, when, when you guys step over there, it's really easy to say, "The Lord is my shepherd." I just know He will make me. And you begin to the word begins to come out of you when you get squeezed a little bit. So Father, I thank you, Lord. Psalm five twelve: The Lord does bless the righteous and surround them with favor as with a shield. You need the word of God at that point. Have you had to lean on the word 
Have you had to stand on it? Has it had to be what, what carried you through something? My mom, uh, when I was younger, I was in like fourth or fifth grade, she had a really bad nervous breakdown, was dying in the hospital. And what kept her alive was she had a Walkman cassette player. And she had, it had Jimmy Swagger sermons and worship music on it. She just put the little earphones on, hit that play button, would play through, pull the cassette out, flip it over, and it, the word kept her alive in that moment. Have you had to lean on the word? Has it? You get a love for the word when it brought you through something. You get a love for the word when you when you depended on it. You say, "Man, God brought me through that. He brought me to the other side." And then you have a you have a testimony to tell someone about. It. Say, "Man, I I've leaned on that before, and I've seen God showing up." Man, I tell you what, when we, we were believing at the beginning of this year, and we sowed that, that significant seed from the church at the very beginning of the year, it felt stupid because I didn't know that we were going to have a lot of change happen in our church in the like, following month, and we like sowed ridiculously. But God knew that we needed to get seed in the ground. It was an important time to get seed into the ground. And then two months later, the property showed up, and then 30 days later, we closed on the property. Hello? That's, that's the hand of the Lord. That's the hand of God. Like we've, we have leaned on this and we have seen it show up. How, do you have a testimony here? Romans 5.14. Let me read that again. For whatever was written earlier times was written for instruction so that through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Acts chapter 8. But the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. This is verse 26. Saying... Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official, a Candace, queen of, uh, of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. So he's reading the Bible, right? He's reading, reading the prophet, the scroll. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join his chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said to him, Do you understand what you're reading? So here's the picture is Ethiopian sitting up in his chariot, riding along, click, 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 and reading the Bible. Philip sees him and he says, Do you know what you're reading right now? Do you, do you understand? He's reading Isaiah 53. It's a messianic prophecy of Jesus. Do you understand what you're reading? And he said to him, The Ethiopian says back, Well, how could I? Unless someone guides me. He's looking for someone. He's immediately, even the sinner who reads the word and they say, I just don't understand it. They will come to the same conclusion. How can I understand this book unless someone guides me? You know what that is? That is the word of God working in the heart of a person. When they say, man, I need someone to guide me. And the Lord is just like, <laughs> <laughs> yup. You sure do, don't you? You need someone to guide you. And he invited Philip to come and sit up with him. And the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he does not open his mouth. In humiliation his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. So what's happening is that scripture pop is happening, like I'm talking about at the beginning. The Ethiopian is reading Isaiah 53, and something is standing out to him. 
And he's beginning to process, like, I know there's something here. He could have picked up anything to ask Philip about. He said, but this, who is this person? The eunuch answered Philip and said, please tell me, of whom does this prophet say this, say this, of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and listen to what Philip did. And beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. From the scripture, he preached Jesus. Philip, a deacon, an evangelist, <coughs> preached the scripture. Man of the word. As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down to the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through. He kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. I love this. I love that, that Philip knew the word, and then he was caught away by the Spirit of God. So I want to invite you into this, that to become a word person, this should be the result that you're caught up with the Lord raptured with him by the spirit of the Lord because that you're a word person it's going to be awesome let's pray father in the name of Jesus God we just pray right now uh, over the hearts of everyone here over my own heart God I pray that we will be word people God let us know your word let us trust your word God your word is faithful we have seen you uh, prove it again and again and again in Jesus' name, God, I lift up outreach today. God, I pray that your spirit would supernaturally draw people to that park. Father God, as we go through the alleyways and knock on the doors of OC and we invite people to come, God, we ask you for your anointing to bring people in. God, I pray for harvesting angels to go out before us and draw people in. People who have never made a profession of faith, I pray that they will make a profession of faith today. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Father God, that because we now are owners in that territory, we have a new level of authority in that region. In Jesus' name. So we pray, Father God, that your peace, your presence will go forth. I pray signs and wonders would be done in your name, God. That your word would be preached with power and that people would be healed, saved, and delivered. God, I pray that food be blessed. I pray you multiply to PP and use it in my way. Amen, everyone. You're dismissed. Um, have prayer Tuesday. Prayer Tuesday night at my house. You like to come? Um, and Bible study Wednesday. You like to come? We got. Amen.